coming up next on an explosive new men seeking tomahawks. Dan, I heard about you and my wife. Oh. You're throwing me a surprise birthday party? That is super duper thoughtful. Yeah. But then I heard what you said about Nana. Oh no. She should come to the party too. I haven't seen her for years. What She'd a love it. fantastic idea. Yeah. But then I overheard what you do with your dog and peanut butter. Who told you? You get him to take his heartworm meds by wrapping it in some peanut butter? Once a month. Good looking out for your pooch, man. Yeah, totally. Dan, are you still watching this? Can I can I change the channel? Okay. Where's that? <laughs> hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome and hello. It works in either order. It's men seeking tomahawks. I am Jack Drastic. To my right and my left is Mama's fancy boy, Danny Franks. Danny, how are we? I'm good. Yeah, I like how you're being so ambiguous, like with your greetings so that, you know, it's on-demand listening, right? So you don't know if it's morning or afternoon or evening. Um, you don't know if in people's mind, if they're visualizing me to your left or to your right. So you're just kind of checking all the boxes and making sure, you know, no listeners left behind. Let's let them paint the picture, shall we? Yeah. In the mind. The mind's eye, as they say. Oh gosh, Dan. So what a week. I'm very happy to be doing this with you. Uh, On this generic day of the week and time of the day. You know, it's funny. <laughs> uh, in, a, in a former life, being on a radio situation, we had, a, we had a thing where we would do 12 hours and then they would flip it, right? So we would just, we'd be on 24 hours, but half of it was, you know, pre-recorded as it were and we were if we if we set a time or if we indicated anything in terms of sunny outside or chilly weather our that station director he would come in there and throw a stapler at your face like i who's gonna correct this for the overnight for the overnight two o'clock what have you done again, Montgomery? Yeah, it's... <laughs> You're uh, fired from your free job, your volunteer heard, gig. Heard that a couple of times. Heard that a couple of times. Anyway. But yeah, uh, you know, but uh, cat's out of the bag though, right? Because this is going to be very much time-stamped, given the fact that we're going to get into some spooky chat. Perhaps too spooky. Too spooky. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's exciting because it's the inaugural first ever annual... Uh, men seeking tomahawks business of halloween episode version one amazing yeah I can't even my favorite thing is to call something annual when it's the first time you did it you just you know you're, you're just speaking it into existence it's like the uh what was that book the word the secret you know you just think it and it'll just like happen so did you read the secret no, or this are you was, just was familiar? informed of the concept. Okay. Uh, people will, people, will, you know, that's one of those things that I just don't have the bandwidth to, to tell someone I don't know, but I feel like that gets popped into random conversations and has for years now. They're like, you know, like the secret. And instead of admitting, I have no idea what it is. I'm just like, yeah, it's a, oh, the, of course. Yeah. The secret, obviously 
just like that. Yeah, I I have no idea. But you're familiar with the concept, right? Not at all. Think, nope. You none just, of it. You've okay. So my understanding, having also not read it, <laughs> is <laughs> is that the the basic concept is if you want something, want to achieve something, want to possess something, take ownership of a, a or, you know a, a car. Like if you want a certain kind of car, you just have to very strong strongfully. Visualize yourself already having said car, hmm. and if you think about it enough, then it will manifest itself. Not like show up magically, like a magic trick, but then you'll kind of uh, your body will will adapt and like kind of like do something. So you'll start like I don't know pursuing a job that's going to earn you enough money to get that car or something like that. But the whole concept is you just have to visualize yourself in whatever situation or position that you desire to be in and i just saved you 3.99 on a kindle version of the secret you don't even have to read it anymore you may have saved me four bucks but you lost me at not a magic trick so we're we're done here good i thought it was strong flea that i (laughs) lost you at well you know no i'm adding that to my (laughs) vocabulary so guys coming up next we are going to talk about the business of halloween but before that how about some indie psychedelic from West Lafayette, Indiana. This is the Jeebs with Be True right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks.
ladies and gentlemen, before we hear all about that song we just heard, I got something exciting to share with you, and that's next week's episode. So right now you're listening to this week's, but next week's episode, something very special. Not only are we welcoming in a bunch of our friends and uh, contributors to the MST universe uh, to join us, but we are taking a taking a stab at doing something super special here. There's a little bit of action involved and a little bit of holiday and Christmas involved, and that's all you really need to know because by the time you're listening to this, you are only one week away from hearing all about the rest. But with that, Jack, let us know what we just heard. Thank you, Dan. We just heard some indie psychedelic rock from out there in West Lafayette, Indiana. That was the Jeebs with their song, Be True. Now, if you want to hear more from the Jeebs or from any artist featured on the program, as always, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Jack. And as mentioned, this is the Halloween special episode of MST. And let's be honest, one of our favorite things about Halloween, at least for me, it's all about the candy, all about the sweets that you get when you're trick-or-treating. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. You got a trick and a treat, and the treat is a rather big part. So I read about this the, the story of a very famous, large business and entrepreneur, business owner, that kind of the, the culmination of this story that I was reading was a candy culmination, we'll say. So I wanted to bring that story here to you guys as a part of the Halloween Spectacular. And this is the story of the Ferrero Group. So not Ferraro, not the... Oh. Uh, Not the uh, theme songwriter of MST, close. Um, But this is a private company out of Italy. And it's a company that employs actually 34,000 people worldwide. So it's a a really big company. They have 30 plants around the world. Uh, And this company does 14 billion with a B dollars in sales a year, which is really big. And their empire, we'll call it, includes Kinder. So those little Kinder eggs we see around at the grocery store. And Tender. And not the, uh, Tinder. Oh. Uh, Ferrer Rocker. I think that's uh, Italian for something. Uh, Tic Tac. And Mon Ami. So that's Italian for something else. So those are some some well-known brands ar- around the world. Um, but what they're well, most well-known for is the brand that I'm here to tell you the story about. And this product, we'll call it, actually invented in 1806 during the Napolitonic, the Napoleonic Wars, easy for me to say, when it caused a shortage, the war did, a shortage of cocoa across Europe. So this Ferrero was um, tasked, he was, he was a chef, and he kind of tasked himself with figuring out some, some way to cook still and, and create things for his restaurant uh, that didn't involve so much cocoa. And this is when I, I might start tipping my hand of what this product is. Uh, he decided to mix ground hazelnut with the cocoa to kind of dilute. I don't know what you would call that, like cutting Just it? Meth. Is that the, the drug term? I call it meth. No, that's what, what he makes is meth. He makes his meth. But uh, instead of pure cocoa in, in these ingredients, he was using uh, a mixture of hazelnut and cocoa. And Gian Duha, we're going to go ahead and call it that. That's what they called the product back in the 1800s kind of floundered about as a product, but then 150 years later, so World War II came around, and the same thing happened because of of shortages caused because of the war, and this time, when they 
decided to start cutting the cocoa with uh, hazelnut. It stuck a little bit more from a commercial standpoint. And the first real product they made with this, uh, this concoction was a solid block, almost like butter. And they started spreading this hazelnut and cocoa mix on bread. Now, the key to this story and this very delicious product is that it's taking place, as I mentioned, in Italy. In Italy is known, uh, apparently, now I know it, uh, for being a, a very large grower of the hazelnuts and the hazelnut tree. And uh, the hazelnut with a super high fat content, nutty flavor, a lot of people just decided they loved this mixture of cocoa and hazelnut. And this brand evolved into something called Super Crema. But fun fact, this was one of the more fun things I noticed. Uh, the Italian government at the time did not allow superlatives to be used in advertisements or in brand names. So <laughs> they could not call this Super Crema. They could just call it Crema, which they decided was not marketable. So here we go to the ultimate uh, culmination of the first chapter of this story. They decided that they were going to name it more after the nut than the cream, and they decided to call it Nutella. Jack. Okay, I'm one, I'll start with superlatives, because God bless the <laughs> Italian government. I was talking to our buddy Cobra the other day about this. One of the things that I hate almost more than anything in advertising is when they make these claims that seem like they're claims, but they're, but they're really nothing. Like, what's an example? Um, think about, like, uh, what, the Old Spice deodorant things? I always go to deodorant. Why is that? But you know how it's always, like, makes you strong as a granddad's noogie. Like, it's always something very <laughs> strange. Yeah. And I was asking Cobra, I was like, what is that? Because you, you know what it is. I mean, you would, you, you would know it when you see it, when it, terms, right. when, it, when it comes to, like, food advertising or, I mean, just about anything. Cobra was telling me that the phrase is puffery. It, puffery mm. is basically this all-encompassing advertising uh, concept where you're you're saying something, but you're really saying nothing. You know what I right. mean? Right. You're not like you're not like making a medical claim, or you're not like saying you know there's no the science behind it, but yeah, you're adding color to it. I guess. Yeah, you're making it seem like it's something it's not, and that drive. I hate that, and so. You know, some people will say that's overstepping, whatever, but good on them for trying to cut that stuff out because I'm I'm not a big fan of that. I just want my products to do whatever my products like. Just just tell me what it does. You know, <laughs> well, I did think it was funny, though. It's not just like, oh, you can't, you know, use puffery in advertising, but it's like also the name of your product can't be anything that also might mislead in that way. Yeah. Like, hey, there's nothing super about your cream, so you you can't call it that. <laughs> Okay, so um, this Nutella product, it was actually named by the son of the person who uh, started making this product. Uh, Michel is his name, Michel Ferrero. And he was actually around, you know, around this time, he was kind of known as like a real-world Willy Wonka. So he had this confectionery where he would uh, walk around in a lab coat and just be taste testing things and creating all of these sweets and throwing children down to random tubes and uh, maybe small but the reason why he was yell songs and <laughs> it could be and the reason why i say that is because he was very secretive that you know not only was he 
you know, Willy Wonka in the sense that he was creating sweets and stuff, but also that it was pretty secretive what was happening inside the, the candy lab there. Um, but his other well-known treats that he came up with from scratch, these weren't ones that he bought from other people that came up with scratch, is that Mon Cherie, which is the cherry liqueur-filled chocolate. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's one that we've seen. But what is more interesting about this invention, I'll call it, is that he actually created the special kind of chocolate that could absorb the liqueur. So any of these chocolates now, you know, you, you see the Kahlua ones or the there's a certain, I guess, ingredient or certain way that that chocolate is made to where it actually will absorb that liqueur and make it, um, mm. you know, a good treat. So that was cool. Intrigued. Um, the other one that's that's funny and kind of out of left field is the Tic Tac, which I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why I thought Tic Tac might must have been like just some random American thing. That sounds weird to say or bad to say, but uh, he came up with it. And it's obviously most people know the little oval candies. Uh, and the funny thing about that is the name. Do you know where the name came from from Tic Tac? No. It's the sound when you open and shut the case, like oh. kind of Tic Tac. Yeah. So. They created the product and the containers before they named it. Okay. Which is interesting. Yeah. And I guess cool. those, this is from the early 1900s, I think, and the cases have withstood that whole test of time. A lot of a lot of stuff gets rebranded and repackaged over the years, but that one remains out. the same. You know what I think is interesting, Dan? I don't think many people know this, but uh, confectionaries were really the advent of many pharmaceutical advances uh i learned that in my my drug dealing days but what's the what's the connection there well essentially because they they were they would have uh machinery that gave them the ability to make the you know the pills essentially i mean the, mm -hmm. the candies were very similar to the pills but the other thing was like the delivery agent you know because you they had to figure out in, in very similar ways to like, say, M&M's, just an example, the whole melts in your mouth, not in your hand thing. That's very pertinent to time release capsules. Mm. So I'm, this is not a source for good information. This is just something that you're overhearing from a very <laughs> irreputable source. Let me cite that real quick. But it is, if you go back and, and look at it a little bit, it is kind of neat to see how... Uh, several of these candy makers had early in the early days of pharmaceuticals had a hand in 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 that whole scene. Yeah, that is fun. Uh, so this next one that he came up with out of his own crazy head was the Kinder Surprise, and I, I mentioned that earlier. But are you familiar with the little Kinder eggs that are at the grocery aisle and all of that? No, okay, maybe you can clear this up for me because I kind of am, but something I thought those were like illegal here or something like that. Okay, so I don't have I, I know what you're talking about. I, I believe there was something because okay, so anyone is not familiar with these Kinder surprises, they're basically hollow egg shaped, usually the size of a, a standard egg, and inside are toys. So the kids will get these chocolate eggs and crack them open. And inside will be some sort of, of toy or plaything. I don't know. And I believe, and hopefully you're you're pulling up the research now, but I believe they had to modify what was included in those eggs to get them back on the shelves here in the U.S. Yeah, the fruit, the Food and Drug and Cosmetic Act 
prohibits Kinder Eggs as they don't allow confectionery products to contain a non-nutritive object. Interesting. So, okay. Egg with surprise, bad. I like yeah, that so word. I like that word confectionery. I don't say confectionery is fun. It is a fun word, and it doesn't work its way into normal no everyday never, vocabulary very I'll often. Say it a few more times in this episode because this will be like the last time I get the chance to for a while. Yeah. Um. But no. So yeah. So that's interesting on that. And so now the Kinder eggs, I believe, they come in. They used to come like tin foil wrapped, and you just open them and crack open the egg, and the right. toy would be inside. Now I believe, and they come in hard plastic. Yeah. And there's a section within that plastic that has like a half egg, yeah. but then the other ha- part of that is like the toy, so it's not inside the food anymore. Imagine I guess that's what it is. Imagine explaining that to a chicken. <laughs> you had the ability to somehow communicate now with the chicken, and you're showing him this half egg, <laughs> half half toy plastic wrap thing, and just that you just chicken. plop it down in front of the chicken and say, "Do that." <laughs> Make me one of these. You're obsolete, old man. <laughs> um, final fun fact on Kinder, because this is uh, not the, the topic of it, but um, because there were so many of these Kinder surprise eggs sold worldwide, uh, Ferrero is actually now the number three toy maker in the world, the third largest toy maker in the world, simply because that candy is so popular. Wow. All right. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Very. Um. And now, with these notable inventions, the most technical achievement was, what's the one you mentioned earlier? Las Vegas. No, the one you said, are we going to get back to this? Ah, Ferrero Rocher. Say, so, so do you want to explain what that is? Oh, it's just dirty sex, hot, fun mess that I just want to <laughs> shove. I just want to shove so many in my mouth right now. Those so things that means are, you enjoy them. Oh, God, I'm such a fat kid. Man. Those things have, uh, they're just, they're just delightful. And like the, the, pro, the pr- presentation of them, you know, like every other, it's like com- a little gold wrapper, right? Like, yeah, no, I'm not talking about just the, 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 the packaging itself. I'm talking about the promotional aspect of it because it's always a, a chef with a huge ass chef's hat and he's got the big, <laughs> you know, culinary shirt on and he's like drizzling on a platter of these things. And like, basically the commercial's like, listen, you fat piece of S like, we know that you're usually getting your big bag of ding dongs, but hold on. Do you want to be classy or do you want to be classy? And then they show this chef and he's just, he is doing sex on a, on a tray with these things. And it, it, man, ah, ah. Okay. So like reading this name, the Ferrero Rocher, I didn't, couldn't immediately visualize what that is. But if you Google the name, you'll see it and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I've eaten those all the time. And they're basically like bite sized little pralines, is what they're considered. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mentioned this is considered his most, uh, Ferrero's most technical achievement because apparently the way that these, uh, these candies kind of hold together and it's multiple things. Um, and, and if you see them, like, with the little, like, crispy sticks, I don't even know what you call them, kind of, like, stick out of the top. It's, it's really uh, complex. And the other confectionists at the confectionaries mm. work it in. Love it. Um, they basically said this is the most uh, – one of the most amazing achievements in, in sweets is his ability or his creation of this. So there you go. It took him five years to perfect this one piece of candy. We salute you. Player of the episode right there. 
Now, and he, actually, hold on, real last sure, yeah. tip, on, last point on this one. Um, they're so popular around the holidays, so we're getting there. That these machines to create these run twenty four seven and produce nine hundred little pralines a minute. So they're cranking them out starting this time of year. So you're telling me some master chef isn't sitting there with a big old bowl of hazelnut spread and just drizzling in a professional manner five million times an uh, an hour? That's it what might you, be. You've just you've just ruined you just you've just ruined the <laughs> holiday season, Dan. That's what you just did. Now, sorry, this might be a derail. I don't know. That's okay. That's what the show's for. But I want to talk about hazelnuts because between those little balls of crack and then the Nutella, like I remember, and I feel like this is something that uh, is a phenomenon that's a big issue. It's probably bigger. It's just like everything else we talk about, you know, in terms of like employment and everything. I think you and I just get the tip of the iceberg in terms of how big this, this issue probably is. But I feel like... The Nutella specifically was marketed as something that was healthy, you know? And yeah. so in my dark days living in New Jersey, uh, there were several times where after a long, hard day of work, I ended up sitting at my computer desk, just spooning from a jar of Nutella, just it's healthy, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm building my muscle, you know? And um, I wonder, because cause, like... That stuff tastes good. It, it tastes real it's good. It's delicious. Dan, it tastes good. Yeah. I don't want that in my belly. And and then so does the Ferrero Rochers. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I wonder now in my in my later years, in my advanced age, like the whole thing was like they the the cell the cell was the hazelnuts, right? They're like, it's the hazelnuts. They're they're magic. Is it? Like I don't I don't really know. Like I don't I don't is it yeah. is it just a shit ton of sugar and that's why it's amazing? It or- is, and I think that's where the because I don't know exactly where to find it. I haven't purchased a Nutella lately, but is it like at the grocery store? Is it near the peanut butter? Like yes. is, that seems like okay because it's a so spread, that's where and that's what they sell it as is like a breakfast spread, and your kids all yeah your kids are going to so be it does Bo Jackson after they eat it. Yeah, and they did originally market it when it first came out as like, oh, part of a balanced diet, right? Which that's kind of the the catchphrase. It's puffery. I guess they can say that without any any proof. But yeah, the fact that they present it at the grocery store on the peanut butter aisle, like peanut butter for the most part is like ground peanuts. Like if you've ever gone to some of these stores like the uh, Whole Foods or something like that where you can drop the peanuts in, in there and crank it and it spits out peanut butter – like for the most part, and obviously there's different types, but it's mainly peanuts and peanut butter, water, oil, whatever. But it's mainly peanut butter or peanuts turned into butter. Uh, Nutella is not the equivalent. It's not the hazelnut equivalent, which you would kind of think it is. Uh, I saw this interesting, I guess you call it like a cross section of yeah. the ingredients. Yep. Have you seen that where it's like uh, the hazelnut where it's three quarters of the Nutella container is sugar? And then you've got like a layer of oil and then a layer of cocoa and then a layer of hazelnut. And it's probably, I don't know, like 10% hazelnut, 10% cocoa, and like 70 or 80% sugar. It is not healthy. It is really, really terrible, a terrible product for you. But it's, it, you know, it, it goes along like it's more like candy spread is what it really is. So, so here's, it comes out of this confectionery because, and that makes sense. All right, Dan, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. It's do you see my gauntlet? It's on the ground over there. Yep. 
because I I'm scared of it. We need to figure out you and me live on a podcast, specifically this one. We need to figure this whole thing out. We need to partake of hazelnut by itself, unadulterated by the the goodness of sugar and chocolate and cocoa and whatnot. We just need to sample hazelnut and get to the bottom of this. Well, Nutella is the number one user of hazelnut, I believe, in the or this Ferrero group is the number one consumer or user of hazelnut or whatever. And I guess, and this is a little off topic, but it's on the, the Nutella and hazelnut strain. Um, apparently, like a lot of things, I guess, unfortunately, it uses child labor a lot to pick these hazelnuts, specifically in Turkey. That's one of the the largest suppliers. Uh, but one of the good things this Ferrero group did is he basically, he being Michelle, uh, he basically went and bought the largest uh, hazelnut farms in Turkey and kind of turned them over and, and you know, killed a lot of those poor practices. So um, it, it, it's interesting to see like that addressing the solution. He's like, hey, we're buying all this stuff from them. And like Apple could kind of do this with like China and there, there's, you know, issues Ooh. there. But like, you know, Gosh. instead of he basically bought the supplier and then fixed some of those issues that, you know, it could have been a PR stunt, right? Like they were getting heat from, hey, you're buying all these hazelnuts and it's a bunch of child labor hazelnuts. Okay, so Dan okay with Mark Zuckerberg and then Dan not okay with child labor, but Dan also not okay with Apple. Okay, sorry. Tragically. I had to, write, had to get some notes down, Dan. Sorry. Yeah, tragically, Jack, um, Michelle was starting to get old. And wow. in the 80s, he brought his two sons on board and made them co-CEOs. Uh, but the tragedy continued because Michelle died of old age, ah, 89. Stay but hard. One of his two, but one of his two sons, the two that were co-CEOs, Pietro, died in a biking accident around that same time. So in 2011, you've got no Michelle, kind of the, the godfather of this, this Nutella and this Ferrero brand. And one of his two sons also met his demise. So we're left with the man we now know as the leader of Ferrero Group, Giovanni Ferrero. And when he took charge, he came in with a very um, business-minded approach. Uh-oh. And here he goes. It's a he me, decided, Giovanni. Hey, the Giovanni. Kid, hey, the kids want to work. Uh Hey, the kids want to work over there in the Turkey. What are they going to do? Uh, there ain't no schools in the Turkey. They got to work. Like, that like veered away from Italian accent very quickly. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but your first few words were kind of Italian. And after that, I don't know. Once they get past, it's a me. <laughs> like, just, it's very downhill from there. So you're yeah. telling me the child labor is back on the menu, boys. Maybe. Um, mm -hmm. But what Giovanni did is he decided he was going to start um, acquiring other companies so they've got, you know, your Tic Tac and your Nutella and your Kinder. Um, but he went after UK Chocolatier Thorntons. I'm not familiar with them, but they're big over there. Um, the Nestle brand and their mm. candy assortment. Yeah, they're they're not uh they're not the good guys either. Go on. Nestle? Do yeah. I need do I need to do no, Dan, I'm not. Just go find out later. Nestle not good. Let's just say that stealing. Okay, water. well this might be Giovanni not good because palm they own oil, that sort the of what? thing. Palm oil, that sort of thing. Oh, Go okay. Well that fits right in then. Yeah, 
It's bad. Uh, so they bought Nestle, and then they bought the Kellogg's brand. So all your favorite cereals are now a part of this as well. <laughs> Whose labor force is on strike right now? This is going. This is Bingo. not. This is not spooky right now. This is. This is the this is the treat. This yeah. is the treat segment. This is not the uh, uh, segment. Yeah. <laughs> hey kids, it's a treat. Uh, you work a couple more hours and then you get the treat. Uh, you get to sleep tomorrow. All right. So okay. Well, here we are. Here we are. Here. I guess at, at the end of that one. Uh, so Giovanni Ferrero, your your uh, your arch nemesis, apparently <sighs> that you can't quit. Um, but he is now. <laughs> Well, now you're making him out to be an evil guy. Uh, he's the wealthiest person in Italy, in the whole country now. Giovanni mm. Ferrero is the wealthiest person. And when all of your kid, Jack, when he gets his trick-or-treats, and specifically the treats, uh, if it's anything from Nestle or Kinder or Thornton's or Kellogg's, it is courtesy now of the hands of Ferrero and the number two candy maker in the world. Happy mm. Halloween. Boo. Gosh, Dan. All of that from Nutella. The bourgeoisie, right? Am I right? I don't know. The bourgeoisie. Now, that's the candy. That's the treat story of this. Now, the trick is what's coming up after the break, and everyone will be familiar with this one. Oh, boy. Okay. So, guys, coming up next, that. But first, we're going to move over from the indie psychedelic to some vapor trap from Toronto, Dan. Now, apologies if I step on this one. Tried to ask for a pronunciation, didn't get it. But this is the artist whom I think is pronounced Ufrexia. Ufexria. Ufexria. If you say it three more times, one of them will be right. And she'll appear. This is Ufrexia with tears right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks.
Euphixria. Euphexria. Euphexria. With tears. A little bit of vapor trap there from down in Toronto, Dan. Let's be honest. The pronunciation is one thing, but the quality of the music, that's what matters. I agree. Now, Dan, I'm going to try to not torpedo another one of your segments. So whenever you uh, get your 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 coffee, your teacup there that matches your hat. Do you hate when the, the little go. the little string on the tea bag falls in? To the T? Is this the sexual thing that you were talking about in the break, or is this something different? No, because during the break, I was having to do, re, re-litigate my entire next segment to make sure there's no one in there that needs to be canceled before I get done with it. Yeah, we're uh, we're playing like cancel culture duck duck goose right now is what we're doing. So Yeah, so uh, don't eat any Ferrero products because you will <laughs> die. And now... The next segment. So uh, I thought the first segment was the treat. That might have turned into the trick uh, instead of the treat. And then this one is just a Halloween story. So I'm not going to try to put it in a box. Okay, hold on. Did you ever watch? Did you watch The Good Place? No. You should watch The Good Place. I know we did the TV episode already, but you should watch Bo Burnham's Inside and also watch The Good Place. And, and like the, the Good f- Wife. And The Good Wife. The thing about The Good Place that I want to point out is that at some point they're trying to figure out how to get people into heaven by their merits on earth. And then they realize how difficult it is to do well on earth. And I think that's basically what we just did in the last segment is you started with a perfectly innocuous coming of age story of a, you know, a, a confectionery cook chef or what, whatnot family and, business. And then it just turns into conglomerates <laughs> just cannibalizing conglomerates for the for the shareholders and child labor and palm oil and like I, I don't know I, I feel bad because I didn't mean to do that to you but I'm also like uh, you know it's and but that's life now right it's 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 tricky all right well let's hit reset here and see if we can uh, do it all over again and make it a little better because this is the story of Something that we're all familiar with this time of year, and this is the Spirit Halloween store. You bet. Every September, we see them pop up, usually in abandoned retail spaces of some sort, uh, usually big box stores. Uh, next thing you know, there's a temporary sign hanging from the front, Spirit Halloween. But little did you know, Jack, this started in 1983, so it seems like we, we just started seeing them everywhere. Now we do see them everywhere because there's over a thousand in the United States, but uh, yeah, 1983 with one location is where it started. That's so, pretty. That's 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 good growth. It's good growth. Another uh, you know starting from zero story here, and again, we're gonna make sure this one stays stays in the up and up. Uh, but we're gonna start by looking at how this business, this Spirit Halloween store, could actually become as big as it is and that's because the halloween industry we'll call it halloween industrial complex maybe uh is over 10 billion dollars a year that's how much money we mostly in the u.s (laughs) spend on halloween each year and roughly a third of that is costumes which happens to be what spirit is known for the most and fun fact jack the average american spends 103 dollars each year on decorations candy and costumes Halloween budget all right that seems like a lot but maybe not when you count all those things hundred buck I mean that's gonna happen yeah 
Have you what what was your where's your hundred and three dollars gone for this Halloween? Hmm. Have you made any Halloween purchases yet? Uh breaking news, I am with child. And um child is in the five range. I don't know. I don't know how old he is. He's shorter than I you, know, that's all you know. Shorter than me. <laughs> little guy. I I could take him. I could take him. <laughs> He uh every year it seems like he has a uh inflatables menagerie. And we might be of all the golden ages that we are living in, we are not living in the hand dryer technology golden age as we once suspected. Not anymore. But we might be living in the golden age of yard inflatables. Have you ever considered that? Breaking news, I have two inflated in my yard as we oh, speak. Oh, yes. I, I've been following the neighborhood blog about Dan's <laughs> chicanery. We might need to get in that later. Yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, it, he, gets a, he gets a new, uh, uh, a new feature, inflatable feature, just about every year. And it's, it's pretty impressive. That's where, my, that's, that's where my hard-earned Halloween dollar is spent, Dan. Okay, that's where mine's gone as well, and in addition to costumes and soon-to-be candy for all the little ones. Um, okay, fun. Yeah, my 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 positive. The reason I like the inflatables the most because they look good at night and during the day. That's something yeah. I always dislike about certain holiday decorations are the ones that it's all about the lights and at night they look great, but then they have to sit there the other you know half of the day. Yeah. But inflatables, as long as you're willing to to pay the electric cost to keep them full all day and all night, then you got decorations throughout the month. I, I could see this argument going either way because like, and I don't want to turn this into Lake Wobegon or anything, but I feel like when I was growing up, there were neighborhoods that would go all out and they would go all out, go all out with like handmade crafts, right? Mm. They would have these, uh, there's a neighborhood down in Houston called Candlelight Park. And the whole premise of the neighborhood is that over the holidays, it is a winter wonderland. It's, I'm, I don't want to oversell it. It is what it is. But we would do the drives every Christmas Eve. But there would be wooden signs, right? It would be wooden displays. The cutouts, uh, yeah. Cutouts of Mickey with Santa Claus ears and stuff. Or Santa Claus hats, I guess. And, but, but like you said, during the day, it, it's kind of spare because the, the lights aren't on. However... I think there's maybe something to be said for the spareness of going down to the to the Walmart and getting, you know, twenty dollar inflatable man that everybody can have, no effort needed. So so you know, you know what I'm saying? Like I feel yeah. like it, it really could go either way. Okay. So back on track here, Dateline nineteen eighty three is where this takes us. Uh to a random strip mall in California and a man, Joe Marver in that strip mall ran spirit women's discount apparel. So he was, uh, wow. Selling women's day. clothes. Mm. And one of the neighboring stores in this strip mall was a costume shop. And unfortunately the costume shop went out of business. But one thing he noticed before it went out of business was every year around Halloween, the costume shop did really well. It just didn't do well the rest of the year. That, that was unfortunate that the costume shop went out of business, but a little lesson learned. Uh, unfortunately, the Spirit Women's Shop also was not able to make it work. So that clothing store went out of business. But when he saw that success, that seasonal success of the Halloween store, kind of 
caused that light bulb to go off in his head. And that leads us to the opening of Spirit Halloween Store. And I guess the funny thing here is the pure coincidence that the women's clothing shop was called Spirit. So that's just the reason why he called the Halloween shop Spirit as well, even though it makes total sense for Halloween. Yeah, that's, that is a happy coincidence, but a really weird one. Really weird. Almost like it was meant to be. Like, we talked about the secret earlier. You think? Could, could, could yeah, that's like, <laughs> like, that doesn't work anywhere else. Like, there's not, like, Victoria's Secret plumbing supplies, and Ed is like, man, that women's panty store went under. Man, I, oh, you know, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should invest. And I already... <laughs> Come on, Dan, I came voice. up with one name. I'm not going to come up with another name. <laughs> so we're just going to have to. That lingerie store is going to have to be Victoria's Secret. <laughs> Why are there so many pop-up characters happening around us right now? I don't understand. I don't know. Hopefully, there's no more. Weird. Hopefully, the whole episode oh. does not. Oh, we'll see. Um, but that first year, he was open. The Spirit Halloween store was open for 30 days, and he did a hundred thousand in sales. And this is the early '80s. Um, I'd have to guess that was probably more than he did the entire year at the Spirit Women's Store. Probably. So let's let's just ponder the top selling costumes there. We're thinking uh, what pound? Uh, what eighty three? Eighty three? Because I'm thinking back to my childhood. Was Ghostbusters I mean, like, out yet? No, I don't think mm, so. I don't know. I don't think. So. Uh, I mean, could it have been like like Smurfs or is that too yeah, far? Yeah, probably some Smurfs. You probably had some Smurfs. Scooby Doo. Maybe some Scooby Doo. What was the thing? It wasn't. Paw, I keep wanting to say Paw Patrol, but it was like pound, pound puppies. Pound puppies. I bet there was some. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I put. I put a dollar down on this. I bet there were some pound puppies. Well, sure. I think it was probably just a bunch of ghosts and skeletons and stuff. <laughs> Might be for no reason the favorite sentence of mine that you've ever said. But All right. continue. So, uh, so that was 1983. Uh, Joe saw that, like I said, the light bulb went off, and he decided to branch out and start doing more of these. And between 1983 and 1999, he grew this model to 60 pop-up shops instead of just that one. So, yeah, I mean, decent growth, right? Over, over 17 years or so. Uh, 60 shops. Well, and, and I don't know if he followed that same model then that he does now, but you have to, I have to wonder because that, that timeline corresponds with kind of like the dying mall thing that we've, we've referenced. I wonder if he looked around and, and, and he sounds like a very opportunistic guy, right? So I wonder if he looked around and said, Hey, you know, there ain't no more radio shack maybe, or, you know, there ain't no more circuit city maybe i can you know get some cheap rent for a month or two yeah yeah that's interesting that how that timeline worked and we'll talk about the real estate approach in a minute but yeah the that that timeline does match up that way now 60 locations all in the southwest so hadn't stretched this far yet uh but lurking in the shadows we'll say as a halloween theme was an observer spencer's gifts and they had been tracking the success of these spirit pop-up shops. And in 1999, when we were at 60 locations, they decided to purchase the spirit Halloween shop. So maybe we are getting uh, the evil overlord story in this one as well. 
Yeah, don't. Sorry, I don't have like my my weird collection of my weird data bank of of random knowledge of things we should not like doesn't include Spencer. Okay, well, so sorry. Okay, no, Apologies. that's great. That makes me happy. I'll I'll proceed then. Um, and Sp- Spencer's obviously you've seen in every mall, dying malls and thriving malls. They're usually one of the hangers ons. Oh yeah, uh, snuck uh, into the the back beaded area a couple a time or two. Dan, yeah. you ever you ever get back there to that beaded area? Check out the the party plus. favors, the party favors. Yeah, the eighteen plus party favors. They call them. Uh, but Spencer is obviously a much more experienced retailer than Joe was. Uh, they were able to, from the next, well, so 1999, and we'll call it another 20 years, grow from that 60 location uh, model to now 1,400 locations. So right now we're at 1,400 locations in 2021 of Spirit, and they have a website. But unlike most retailers at this point where a lot of the sales are happening through the website, they still have 90% of their sales happening in store between Labor Day and Halloween. That's their open. Those are their open. So that's uh, just, just over a month. Did you just say Labor Day? Yeah. Jesus. Why are this, you? It's that whole bleed over thing, you know, like this the every holiday season starts earlier and earlier every year. Well, Labor Day to Halloween. So Labor Day is a September date, right? And Halloween's an October date. Those are yeah. adjacent months. If you know, my my presidency is going to be based off of ha- Halloween. Shouldn't be even thought of until two in the mid mid October. October fourteenth should be like okay. Start thinking about Halloween. But September, you're telling me people are thinking about Halloween in September. Okay, well to be fair, this is my next fact for you here. To be the fair. stores open on Labor Day, but. The majority of sales happen in those two weeks leading up to Halloween. Good. Decent human beings. That's that's what those are. And I know you don't like the idea of um, people being employed even two months. Like, why do they need to be employed for over one month? Like, what is this? But you'll be you'll be disappointed to know that there are employees to spirit uh, outside of those two months a year. I'm sorry. It's a year-round business. Uh, are because they on the, November 1st. Are they the little Italian kids you were telling me about? <laughs> no, Jack. These are hardworking American uh, laborers. <laughs> they need they need jobs, and Jack, they're just trying to earn a honest living. Hey, for their family. <laughs> they just want to work two months at Spirit Halloween Shop. I hope there's. I I need to apologize for everyone that works at Spirit that's listening right now. Uh, because, because <laughs> Jack, Jack doesn't support you. He doesn't support uh, your job. Gosh, how dare he thinks you. you need to be employed for one month instead of two. Yeah. Goodness. Well, I, I'll have you know. Unfortunately, from your standpoint, uh, there's year-round employees, and a lot of them are on the real estate team because, you know, as oh, we're yeah. getting into this, there are 1,400 locations. These are pop-up, open two months. It's a very cyclical business, right? And if they're continuing to grow these numbers, they basically have to, on November first, start making plans for okay, next year, where are fifteen hundred, you know, stores going to be all over the U.S.? Which sounds super daunting. Does it? That okay? We have to now okay. go find fifteen hundred locations across the U.S. strategically. So here's what they look for: they look for communities with populations of thirty-five thousand people or more. 
that live within a five mile radius. Okay. So I guess you can have your your map of where those are. And then you have to go to uh, buildings that are between 3,000 and 50,000 square feet. So that's what they're looking for. And I've not seen a 3,000 square foot spirit, but maybe that's for some of the smaller communities. Um, but that's the range they look for. It's got to be in a high visibility area required from their standpoint that whatever the major road is, you have to be able to see the spirit sign from the road. Um, and ideally be located in shopping centers that currently have Best Buy's, Target, or Walmart's. So those are the three stores that ideally they're around, uh, ideally in the same shopping center, but but nearby. I guess that's their way of saying we need a dead building, but we need it to be close to a thriving business, which maybe that's like the perfect storm when they can do that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that sounds like the easiest job on the planet. Like maybe that's me being really crass or condescending, but like uh, of all the, 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 the closing stores, like you got pier one imports, you've got, I mean, all number of stores closing left and right, especially now. Maybe it's just a pure volume that I'm thinking like that's a bunch of real estate contracts to be signing every year. Yeah, it sure it is. But you think about how many dead shopping strips there are. There's one, there's a spirit right down the road from me and it's proximate. Like it's across the highway from a target. Um, but it's in, it's like in an old pier one building, which has to be on the small side. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you, usually circuit cities, babies are us, Sears, toys are us. Those are kind of favorites recently. Um, sure. Like but, you said, pier one though. Yeah. I, I feel like this, uh, that sounds like fish in a bucket to me and uh, maybe like, Again, I don't normally get this cocky about anything, but I feel like finding empty retail space in America in 2021 that fit even even with those parameters that you gave, I feel like that's I kind of want a job application right now. After after disparaging all those working for the company, <laughs> and I and mean now no you're offense. like actually uh, give me your job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just move aside. Move aside, Junior. I feel like you think the way real estate works is like squatters rights. Like, hey, I drove by an empty Pier 1 the other day. Like, I guess we could just hang our banner on the front, and that means we can set up a spirit inside. How? Okay, but Dan, you're not. I mean, the, but that's the thing, right? Like, you're only asking for three months rent, right? So, like, But that's not favorable for a landlord, right? Like, they're going to hold out for someone that's going to sign a three-year lease. Okay, who's that? Trader Joe's. Oh, yeah, Trader Joe's is, yeah, Trader Joe's is really in the market for a bunch of old uh, blockbuster videos, you know, they're, they're going after that. I don't know, man, I, this, all right, this, so, this smells like sign of the times, I don't know, right, that's just. All right, well, we'll talk about it from the landlord standpoint, since you brought that up. Um, they, they do sign interesting leases with the landlords, and this is just their standard lease, is that. They'll sign them ideally sometime in November for the following year, but they sign them to where the landlord can actually cancel the contract if they find a full-time tenant by June. So from your standpoint, the landlords have got nothing to lose. Like, okay, if June comes around and it's still empty, at least we know for two months later in the year, someone's going to be moving in and they pay higher than market rent. So, you know, if this lease on this building is normally going to be, I don't know what, at least worth 5000 a month. They might come in for those two months and pay ten thousand. So, right. uh, it, it is a good thing for these these landlords who, like you said, those things are are sitting empty right now, and there's no one beating down the door to to fill them in. 
Yeah. No, it does. It does feel like opposing forces because this seems perfect. I'm I'm some guy who works for Spirit. I walk in to Dan Frank's, you know, strip mall, and I'm like, hey, give me give me that over there. The thing with that's you know the rats are just hanging out, you know, playing hopscotch in. Like, let me have that for a minute. But to me, like Spirit's eventually got to think not only location expansion. But I feel like eventually, ultimately, they're going to have to think about expanding their their footprint on the calendar, right? So I, I feel like eventually this is going to not be as much a, a fish in a bucket sort of thing. But that's just me, you know, spitballing here. So what's your what's your thought process behind that? Is it that like for a business to grow, you're going to tap out the Halloween market? You're going to have put one in every 35,000 population city and just knowing how greedy and, and how these, how corporations work these days, it's always about growth. Like even if you make a million billion dollars, it's always about growth somehow, you know, no one's ever satisfied. Right. So like I'm sitting here thinking like there's gotta be some guy at spirit who's eyeballing, you know, Valentine's day or Easter or something and thinking, how can we get in on that? And, and so they're, 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 I feel like eventually it's not going to be as slam dunk. Let's just take over, abandon, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, and I guess as you think out loud with that, the, the novelty behind these stores really isn't that, okay, it's just a costume place. Cause nowadays you can go to Amazon and order your costume or you can go anywhere, right? Target sells costumes, all that. But there, there is some novelty in the treasure hunting. Like you go into the store and it's like, I got to get a Halloween costume. Sure, I can go to Target and choose from ten. Yeah. Or I can go to Spirit and choose from you know a thousand. Uh, and yeah, like like treasure hunting, kind of like if you go, if you ever go to Home Goods for like shopping for your house. Sure. Like that's the kind of place like TJ Maxx where it's different every time. Yeah. So you kind of just show up and you're like, I'm just gonna walk the aisle and see, you know what what kind of tickles my fancy. So they've got that. So um. Well, it's fun. You know, what what other holiday could that that could apply? I guess to other holidays potentially. Um, yeah. But then they also prey. I say prey on that urgency factor. If if people are making those purchases in the last two weeks before Halloween, that's also where it comes in. So if you're thinking about what else could they do, it's like okay, what else? What other holiday or theme has that sense of urgency? And also people, you know, will want to, like I said, poke around and and find some. <laughs> Holiday themed novelties. I guess Christmas is the only one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, but it doesn't have the same. Like you're not going for like no one's buying the 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 spend at Christmas isn't on Christmas themed items. It's on presents. I mean, it but kind like, of is, but not in the same way. Yeah. Well, sounds like you're thinking this is a jump the shark moment for spirits. I, I didn't say that. As long as Nestle doesn't own them and. You know, children are well, not we're gonna, involved. We're going to hear from the dear listener about all the things that Spencer Gift is canceled for. Bring it. Just just, just as as The Rock once said, Dan. I don't know if you've ever heard The Rock. I'm not sure. No, I haven't heard from him. Big uh, professional wrestling guy. Uh, well, that might be what I'm going to dress up for as Halloween. <gasps> as for Halloween. Easy for me to say. But yeah. That's your. This is your uh, MST public service announcement. You're you're coming up on Halloween. If you've not got your costume yet, head out to Spirit. They got some for you to choose from. And happy Halloween. <laughs> hey, good work, Dan. We definitely checked the box for spooky season episode. 
Would you like to wrap up the show with a nice little seance? Aunts. Uh, sorry, what? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you told me to say aunts. Ah, <laughs> get Hashtag, it? Oh, yeah. Hashtag dad jokes. No, no. Watch this. <clears throat> Mecca, lecca, hi. Make a klatu varata necktie. Yeah, oh, oh, oh. oh holy gosh. cow it actually worked um <clears throat> hold on <clears throat> oh spirit from beyond we have summoned you here to appear on our podcast uh, of course they have i go from being called on by medieval wizards to consult on issues facing their kingdoms to playing internet radio with a couple of jackals. Hey. I am so effing done with you millennials. Oh, Mr. Spirit. I mean, you really seem put out. I'm, I'm, I feel so bad for you. It's, it's Halloween right around the corner. This is your time of year, and, and you're just so down. Wait, wait, wait. First off, I'm not called Mr. Spirit. So Are they you? call you Mr. Doing an Online Show for 12 years? <laughs> hey. Didn't think so. My name is Olaf Sandwichmacher. Easy there, Olaf. Dan's right. I've never met a being from beyond the grave with so many harsh vibes. Oh, so you commune a lot with other worldly beings there, champ, huh? You got the we got on here next week, but the <laughs> tell us what Getty Thomas said out of Listen, Olaf Sandwichmacher. We really didn't mean to get off on the wrong foot like this. Tell us, why are you so upset with things? You really want to know? Absolutely. Tell us. Do you have any idea how stressful it is trying to threaten people in a world that is literally imploding around? <laughs> you millennials and Zoomers are so goddamn numb to everything. Oh my. I got nothing. <laughs> Gosh, geez, uh, I didn't realize that workplace burnout had reached the spectral plane, too. That's terrible. <laughs> you want to talk about burnout? Just the other day, I appeared as a smoldering corpse in front of some schmuck in Portland. He pulls out his phone, starts recording, and then this lunatic chases me down the street saying that I'm needlessly contributing to carbon emissions. <laughs> Tells me he's putting it on TikTok. What in the seventh level of hell is the TikTok anyway? <laughs> yeah, we're we're really not sure either. No clue. Um, you know, earlier earlier you mentioned wizards. Like, how long have you been doing this, Mister Sandwich Mocker? Let's just say this is my first pandemic rodeo, Buckaroo. Now the Black Plague—that was a great time to be a haunter. Folks were terrified of the deadly, invisible menace without the benefit of modern science. They had not been driven to complete apathy due to late-stage capitalism. While their parents were all taking horses to wormers, there was no horse to wormers. Those horses were all good and wormy. We liked it that way. <laughs> I bet so. Um, now, now, hear me out. I don't know if this is applicable per se, but have you considered, like, updating your skill set at all? Like, perhaps trying to be a bit more competitive in the apparition job market? Yeah, I've tried, I've tried. 
Sometimes down in Talladega, I materialized as uh, one of those spooky little Japanese girl ghosts that are so fashionable these days. You know, the ones with the wet, matted hair and whatnot. Well, this group of kiddos were doing some sort of a hippity hop dance thing nearby. They charge at me and they throw me off a bridge. Yo, Yeet and Kobe. What's a Yeet and what's a Kobe? Oh my gosh. Dang, Olaf. Uh, you know what? I guess it's tough out there whether you're living or otherwise. What am I going to do whenever your past generation's gone? They are just the best. I don't even have to hide in the dark and go, Whoa! I just have to say, Hola, senor, in a dimly lit Trader Joe's parking lot, <laughs> and they turn wider than the sea in the <laughs> I bet they do. Well, well, that reminds me, boys. I gotta get going. I can't be late for my shift at Fox News. Wait a minute. Hold the presses. You're on Fox News? Well, technically. A group of us spirits of the dam take turns possessing Tucker Carlson's soulless vessel during the show. <laughs> really is the most efficient way to spew absolute garbage to terrify a whole bunch of people all at once. Arrivederci, losers. Oh, wow. gosh. And on that terrible note, this has once again been Men Seeking Tomahawks. Subscribe to the program on your favorite podcast app. Come say hi to us over on the Insta, the Twitter, and other social media platforms. And to hear more from the musicians featured on today's program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. For Dan, I'm Jack. For Jack, I'm Dan. And, and, and Jack, what? don't be scared, but he's mm -hmm. still here. He's right behind <laughs> you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>